You're listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast with Mark Allred, Court Lalonde, and Rob Tomlin. You can subscribe and rate our show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Player.fm, SoundCloud.com, and Stitcher Radio. You can support the show financially by going to blackandgoldhockey.com and clicking on the fanatics.com banner before shopping online. You can also purchase exclusive Black and Gold Hockey podcast merchandise in the official B&G shop. And now, time to start the Bruins Hockey Talk from three different countries. Enjoy the show. Hey, Bruins fans. Happy New Year and welcome back for episode 113 of the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. We are recording on January 6, 2019. This is the first show of the new year. Very happy to welcome back, as always, faithful co-host and not a slacker like that Rob character, uh, Court Lalonde from Toronto. How's it going, Court? Good, thank you. Good, thank you. Excellent. And, uh, and, and, and filling the shoes for that said slacker is my friend. I had a, a great time talking with him and, and having a couple of beers with him before a game recently. Uh, he is the writer for, the um, historical writer at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. You can follow him on Twitter at double zero Evan Michael. Evan Michael, how's it going, buddy? Hey, honor and privilege to be joining both of you fine fellows here on the podcast. Thanks so much. Uh, early for me, uh, morning here on the West Coast, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Absolutely. Evan is our writer. He covers the West Coast, uh, the Bruins out there. And like I said, he also does a fantastic job on uh, a lot of historical points that uh, we like to cover at the blackandgoldhockey.com website. So uh, it's a pleasure having you writing for us. And it's also really, really awesome that you stepped up and, uh, and came in today to help us out because I was kind of scrambling uh, for another uh, a co-host because uh, a couple pe- few people that I did talk to kind of dropped out in the 11th hour. But it is what it is, but we're happy to be here and, uh, and we're happy to have you. Thank you kindly. I picked a good time to come on. The, the bees are on quite the uh, nice little streak to start off the year. They absolutely have, and we'll just jump right into that. Um, uh, the Bruins played in three games last week, starting off with uh, with a, a tremendous effort at the in South Bend at the Cathedral in uh, in South Bend, in Indiana, against the Chicago Blackhawks in the uh, Winter Classic. Um, the Bruins' goals: uh, the first period came from David Pasternak. He got his twenty fourth. Uh, his second goal from Patrice Bergeron. He got his thirteenth. And the third period goals from Corrali, his fourth, Marchand, his 13th, and that will do it in a 4-2 final. Rast stops 36-38 for the victory. Uh, jump into January 3rd, 2019. The Boston Bruins face the Calgary Flames at TD Garden. Everyone's goals uh, in the first period from Jake DeBrusque, his 12th, and John Moore, his second. Second period goal from Brad Marchand, his 14th. And to finish it off in the third period, it was a, a lot of goals and a very active third period from uh, Pasternak, his 25th, Jake DeBrusque, his 13th, and Marchand, his 15th. Yaroslav Halak stopped 33 of 37 shots for the W. And to end the week's action last night, January 6, 2019, the Boston Bruins played the Buffalo Sabres at TD Garden. Bruins goal scored by Chris Wagner, his fifth in the first period. Second period goal by David Backus, coming back from his uh, suspension in a great way with scoring his fourth. And no goals in the third period. Um, yeah, Tuka Rast stopped 31 of 32 for the W. And that was it. Honorable mentions for the week. Uh, David Pasternak, his two goals, three assists, five points in his last five games. 
Marchand is 3-2-5 in his last five. Bergeron is 2-3-5 in his last five. And Jake DeBrusque is 3-1-4 in his last five. Thoughts on last week's action, guys? Uh, well, when you go 3-0, and um, it's, it's not really, there's not much to complain about, right? Absolutely um, not. No, it was, uh, it, it was great. Started off, obviously, with the Winter Classic. was uh, was something nice, um, I, a, a feather in the cap to win that game. Um, I, I'm not going to say Chicago's not a good team, but they're not a bad team. They're having struggles this year, but uh, pulling out the win was huge for the guys. Huge morale lift, as you said before, coming into the new year. Um, and then you had a, you had to play a Tuka Rath lately. You, you, you won two divisional games just recently with him. It's there's a, a lot to be happy about. You're getting secondary scoring. It's like everything we wanted on a Christmas list, and the team's healthy besides McAvoy. But uh, we'll talk about him after. Yeah, I, those were those were just real fun games to watch. It's uh, sometimes tough for me to uh, watch games live uh, from out in Los Angeles. But uh, these last three, uh, I rearranged the schedule, especially during the Winter Classic. And Court, you kind of hit on a, a really uh, important point: is it's the timing of the winning streak, right? You know, you can you can have a nice little three and four game winning streak in October to start off the season like they did, but to have it now, beginning the second half, really getting the health back, getting that timely scoring, getting those big saves. This is really when the bees seem to have uh, the momentum and the push, at least in seasons past, to, to kind of really solidify where they are in the standings. And, uh, and I, you, just wanna, you just want them to keep it going because four is nice, six is even better, and if they can get on a nice little double-digit run like they did just last year, then you're, gonna, then you're really going to separate yourself from you know, the Buffaloes and the Montreals and gain grounds on the Torontos. Yeah, and it touched on what both of you have mentioned. It's a good time to get a role like this. Uh, you know, I mean, they did go three and zero last week, but they also got a win um, against Buffalo the week prior to, uh, I believe, to continue this a uh, four game winning streak. So yeah, with, with Tuka and that. Yeah, yeah. Like go on exactly as, as much as everybody because we'll talk about him, but everybody wants him to win the big games. He's won two against Buffalo, and he won. Uh, I don't call it a big game, but everybody else is calling it the Winter Classic. The Winter Classic is not a big game, but it is what it is. Yeah, it's a and, nice win. Yeah, and like Jack Edwards said last night on after the game, uh, this is a good time to to really you know make a push in 2019 to to salvage what's left of this season, and which I believe is a good season. I, I'm I'm not ruling this team out right now. I mean, they currently sit in the third position in the Atlantic, um, and and. He's full, tight though. Full, tight. I know it's so tight. It's gonna it's gonna jockey back and forth, but to be four points right behind Toronto, that's 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 good stuff right there. And I'm I'm happy with with the contributions that they're having. I'm also happy with players coming back, whether it be injuries or suspensions. It just seems like this is a great time to gel and 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 make. I'm not gonna say a run because I'm not a rah rah like that, but I just want to see them. <laughs> Go down the stretch here, get in the playoffs at least, and then go from there. And the teams that are behind them are the ones they're winning against. So, like, they beat Toronto, which is very rarely in the regular season, and they just beat Buffalo twice. Um, they play Toronto, I believe. We'll talk about that. They're coming up to playing Toronto soon. Um, but winning these divisional games, we've said it week in and week out, these are the most important games of the year. These are the big games. When they play a team like Buffalo or they play a team like Montreal, these are bigger than the Winter Classic. All I agree regardless. with you. As Cassidy, Cassidy made a quote to uh, Ty Anderson last night. This appears to be Rask's time of the year again. So hopefully he continues. I, th- I think last year he did that 20-game span where he was just lights out. He looked he looked phenomenal last night. Let's, let's be honest. Um, he looked real good. Even he said he should have had that one goal. He should have had it. This is what it is. But ever, other than that, he played well. Top, what, 38 shots, 37 shots? Yep. And court, you know, you bring up the divisional games uh, as much as it's it's one of those goofy only in hockey phrases, you know, the four point game. But it, but when you look at the standings, I mean, it's it really is. Uh, I mean, just look what happened. Uh, Bruins get 
their second win against Buffalo in four games. So basically, you could call that an eight-point swing, right? And now Buffalo is teetering on falling out of the playoff picture completely. They bumped Montreal down because the Islanders jumped them up. So it's every game, every point will shift that schedule. Uh, and, uh, shift the standings, I should say. So they are monumentally big points uh, to, to get and to compete. And uh, obviously you want to get two in regulation, but the even getting the, the OT wins uh, are, are huge for the Bees right now. Absolutely. And, and segueing right into the upcoming schedule and some, some, some pretty big games that are coming up. Uh, one, probably not so much, but the next two are going to be definitely very important. And uh, with this upcoming schedule um, uh, discussion, I'd like to talk about uh, SeatGiant.com and SeatGiant.ca. If you got, if anybody wants to go to any of these Bruins games on the road or at home, please go to one of these websites and please use uh, discount code BNGP to save yourself a little money. Um, but st- starting this week, uh, this coming week, uh, they are going to be at the TD Garden against the Minnesota Wild. Uh, Minnesota is kind of out of the playoff picture right now. They're, they're teetering a little bit. Uh, but they're 10-10 on the road. Definitely a winnable game. And 4-5-1 and in the last 10. So I believe that the Bruins can definitely, or hopefully, get the two points out of that. Uh, Thursday, they are at TD Garden against a very, very lethal uh, Stanley Cup champion, Washington Capitals, which they lead the Metro with a 24-12-4 and record. Uh, they are twelve. It's kind of weird that they're twelve six and two on the road, but they're also twelve six and two on, at home. Kind of strange. But uh, in their last ten, they're six three and it's one. Just because you're used to Boston, always usually <laughs> in the last couple, you're sucking at home. <laughs> right. <in> last. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> and to round the week off, uh, it's it's the matchup against the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, on Saturday, January twelfth. Uh, the Leafs are second in the Atlantic with a twenty seven twelve and two record. Uh, they are thirteen seven and one at home and six three and one in their last ten. Uh, the Bruins are currently in third in spot in the Atlantic with a twenty four fourteen and four record. Uh, that's fifty two points. Uh, they are fifteen and five zero at TD Garden and nine nine and four on the road. And like I said earlier, they're at a four game winning streak, which is tied for the season high. Uh, dating back to October 4th to the 13th. So um, definitely there's winnable games this coming week. But there's also going to be some serious challenges. Yeah, Are you going to be at that game on the 12th? Uh, no, no, I'm not. Uh, getting tickets in Toronto are um, not as easier said than done for someone <laughs> like myself. Um <laughs> I, I have a very, very good connection on the team, and even that person cannot get me free tickets. So that's all I got to say. Even that person, he's like, yeah, the last time they were down, I, I was speaking to him, and he was like, yeah, it's, it's about uh, 200, 250 Canadian a ticket. So um, I'd rather, yeah, I'd rather, to be honest, I, I was saying to you guys before, I'm, I'm going to be coming down to Boston in March. Um, I get my tickets for free in Boston. To me, it's it's better to pay the two fifty flight and spend a weekend in Boston than to spend one night in Toronto. I like that attitude. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get some to- get to the topics. We have a long list of topics, so bear with us. Um, start off with the the, the player Tuukka Rask. He's after that that uh, leave of absence. Uh, it's been a kind of a roller coaster season for him. I mean, good on him to come back and be positive about it. Um, he hasn't had the greatest season as of late, but I'm I, no, I'm not going to knock him, and I know we are not going to knock him. But uh, lately, it just seems like his game is really ramping up to be um, much better for this club. And I believe this. What I see in this club is they they are, are buying into what he's doing. So, and they're they're doing the same thing with Yarrow. I'm not saying that there's there's no favoritisms here, but everybody's just got to get together, create chemistry, and and just and just try to you know do what they got to do to make that to make that playoffs. Yeah, like Tuca right now in the last three games is got he's three and zero with a one point six six goals against average and a and a nine forty eight save percentage. He's he's playing really well, and Halak Halak had a stinker, but Halak's played phenomenal all year. Um, you could almost say Vezina 
um, worthy at this point. Um, it's not a bad thing to have the t- two fantastic goalies right now. Goals against, they're third in the league. Um, goals per game, they're 18th. To say that goaltending is a problem on this hockey club is a bit of a stretch. And when you look at, here's how I always have rated the play of Rask, even going back to when, you know, he was backing up uh, uh, Timmy Thomas. Uh, when when he is composed, when his movement is is just between the posts and he's not flailing or or um, or really you know over over committing on his angles when when you just see that that composure you know he's going to have a great game you know if the bees score uh you know one one two goals that they can win that game one nothing or two one uh it's 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 when you see him moving just a, a little bit uncharacteristically then you know wow this is going to be this one's going to be high scoring or he might get pulled in these last few games he has been as composed as i've seen him this season uh, with uh, with his play, um, with how he tracks the puck, and and you know how candid he is whenever he speaks to the press. So of course, it's not unlike him to be like, yeah, I should have had that one. But even at that point in the game, I wasn't as worried, and I don't think fans were worried just a few weeks ago where you let one in, and then all of a sudden it's a sieve and two, three, four going in on the next five shots. So that, that to me is when I watch Rask play, that's how I can – that's when I could tell that he's in the zone. And and also, I think he's chasing a little bit of history. As I wrote uh, for um, the Black and Gold uh, uh, website, you know, he just tied Tiny Thompson for uh, games played, and he's four away from having the most wins in the history of the franchise. That I think that's a little bit of personal motivation for him to to do that now in January and to keep his hot play going because that, that to me, is an unbelievable accomplishment when you think of all the storied goalies that the Bees have had over the years for the much maligned Tuka Rask to be at the top of that mountain. Love him or hate him, uh, you got to tip your cap to him. Yeah, and... Yeah. and oh, sorry, go ahead, Clark. Sorry, yeah, I just think, as we all know, majority of the, the hate that goes towards Tuka is his inconsistent play, which has happened in the last couple of years, and um, his salary. Other than that... Other people think we're crazy. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> they um, do. Yeah, and, and and one thing I wanted to, to touch on, and, and it's, it 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 hasn't you know just just happened, but it's happening a lot. Is is when they when he does give up that stinker, and unfortunately, like in the Winter Classic, he gave up one, and then it just seemed like every the wind was blown out of everybody's sails in Bruins Nation, and it was just like, oh, here we go. We're not going to, you know, he lost, he's going to lose the big game. And, and you still got like 40 some odd minutes to go. I just can't stand that when you give, fans just give up on him so quickly. And the same thing happened last night in the third period. But the Buffalo Sabres were really trying to get some urgency out of their club. And, you know, Rasmus Ristolainen just just basically skates through the Bruins defense and just throws Arista right on net and, I mean, it was a good shot. It was a good shot, but it just seemed like, you know, Tuca could have had that one. And then it was like, oh, my God, we're going to lose this game. And it's just it's just too much freak out. Uh, well, especially what Tuca said after the game. He was like, it was a great shot, but right. I wish I could have had it. But all sure. goalies wish they could have every shot. He said any shot that's one-on-one, he wishes he could have had. That's what he said. So... It is what it is. It just makes me laugh how many people are, uh, they get all over them. They won the hockey game. Like I, I'll say it before, I'll say it again. I don't care what happens as long as they win the hockey game. Exactly. Yeah, win is a win is a win. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, and I, don't care. I don't care who's in that. <laughs> uh, one thing I wanted to mention before we go on to the uh, young production of, the, 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 of this Bruins club is um, I took a note here and I just totally blew it. But uh, 11... Patrice Bergeron is 11 games from 1,000, and he's 31 points from 800. Uh, that is a, a an absolute great accomplishment. Um, I hope he stays healthy for it uh, and and moves on. And this guy's just a tank, and we always talk very highly highly of him. But um, you know, he just deserves every little accolade he gets. Um, so, congrats to him, and and best of luck. But uh, moving on to the, 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 the kid line. And, Corey, I'm going to bring this one to you because you're the one that basically brought this whole uh, uh, agenda up. So why don't you run with this? Well, it's just 
they haven't been producing per se points wise, but that line of JFK, Donato, and Heinen has looked really well. Especially since I guess Heinen was against Buffalo a couple games ago where he got he got sat for the rest of the game. After what, a period and a half of hockey, he was sat. Um and that, I think that was the game he was up with uh the Bergeron line, as much as everybody in the world got pissed when that happened. But Ever since they put this line together and Cave sat, they looked real well. Like, Donato got robbed last night on more than one occasion, and they were good looks. It's, they were, they're, they're cycling the puck well. They're, they're good on the half wall. They're, they all add this little dimension to the line because you have JFK, who's that two-way center, who's, he's, he's getting to be more comfortable on the ice, and it looks like he's getting his confidence out there. And then you have Heinen, who, when he's playing with Marchand and Bergeron, you can see the faults because he's just not as good as them, and it's, it's it's not fair to him. But when he was playing with that line, he was able to control the play, hold the puck. He was able to dig the puck out of the corners, and they look for a guy like Donato, who then no longer has to be, because his two-way game is just not there, he's now able to just be that sniper because that's what he is. He's a goal scorer. So it's a, it's like a almost like a perfect mix. I hope Bruce keeps this line together. Because I liked what I saw from them. Like, it's just, they looked so good last night. Yeah, I, I agree. I would like to see more of this uh, going down the stretch. And I kind of like the way that Bruce is do- doing this. And, and Bruce and Kevin Dean and Pandolfo and, and Sacco, they're really good coaches when, you, when, when you're talking about the youth. And, and to have a whole line like that that's pretty much like been together through development camps, rookie camps, prospect challenges in Buffalo. I mean, you can create natural chemistry from players like that that have been hanging around so much together. So, I mean, in the future, it's going to look bright, and I think that everything should come together with these young folks. Well, when you guys think of uh, some of the top uh, lines, not just in hockey, but especially for the Bruins, right, uh, in terms of you know your your, your forward uh, core and um, – and and you're in you know the way it's situated you want somebody right who has the um the playmaking savvy to get the puck to their scores and and you and of course you want two scores but you definitely want a sniper and you want somebody who's you trust to get back into the play and 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 have uh and have a you know a heads up d game that line jfk uh, you know he's got the iq he's got the smarts uh, we know how amazing of a shot Donato has, and the kid can score from anywhere. And he, in court, you're right, he should have had two or three goals with any puck luck against the Sabres. And Heinen's two-way game uh, has improved dramatically since last year. And to to have those three guys developing together and growing and, and playing off each other as opposed to, you know, like you said, Court, having them uh, in the shadow of some more uh, skilled and, uh, and more veteran players, it's, it will only benefit the Bruins now and in the long run. And so, yeah, you do want to see them keep it together, whether that, I don't know what you want to call it, a third line, a fourth line, a second line, a, a 2A, a 2B, a 3-1, a 3-2. I think it's down uh, the fourth line. It's fun to watch him play right now, and that's uh, and that's saying something. Yeah, I think they found that fourth line, um, the the Corrali Wagner uh, Achari line. Uh, Bruce Bruce said last night they were the best line on the ice, and they were the best line on the ice. And we'll we'll talk about Corrali later. But if this third line can stay the way they are and keep playing, the focus can be moved to just finding that right winger. Even though Bacchus did play well, I still don't think he's the answer on that second line. Right, but that that third line they played very well. Um, maybe a, a veteran guy they can pick up at the trade deadline that they can pop in there um, because JFK still, in my eyes, still not strong enough on the puck. Um, Bruce Bruce gave him some confidence last night. I don't know if you guys noticed he was on the penalty kill for a bit last night. So there's a lot of good things happening with that line. The hate for Heinen disappeared last, yesterday, if you noticed on social media, because he's no longer being thrown at the spotlight on the top two lines because he's just not there yet. The third right. line is perfect for him, and it can show the assets with that, with with what he has. Yeah, and when you when you talk about the third, the second and third line, either the wing on the second line or the center of the um, on the third line. Now we're going to segue into some trade talk, um, and there's a, there's a lot of stuff going around, whether you believe it or not. It, it's making news. Um, definitely not a fan of the rumor uh, the rumor mill because. 
nobody's in the room. You're just hearing what other people are saying and just moving it along. And I appreciate that. But there, it, it, stuff is being moved around. So right now, the talk, major talk, and and the and the, the, the topic gravi- gravitating to is the St. Louis Blues. And uh, what's his name? Is it Braden Shen? Correct. Braden Shen. Yeah. So I mean, he's a 27 year old. He could play. He's a versatile forward. He played the center or the left wing. Uh, I'm not sure if he can play the off wing to address a need uh, for Krejci. But um, do you see a fit for this? And, and and what would it cost for a player like that to come in? Well, I think we I, we know what I'm going to say um, because I'm I'm a big component in. I think our biggest asset is that is our blue line, and one of the biggest trade chips we probably have is uh, is Grizzlick. Uh, and then you have some of those guys that are on the, the Heinens, the, the Donatos, the Bjorks, the JFKs. Those are the guys you want to toss in to try and make this deal happen. If you're if you're in the win-now mode, there shouldn't be untouchables with regards to our prospects. If the, As I always will say, if the trade makes the team better, you do the deal. If they're willing to throw in Tarasenko and they're asking for Stadnika and they're not asking for McAvoy... You really need to consider this trade. It's just something you got to consider. If, if anybody wants to look at teams that are willing to make a deal right now, just look at teams that are underperforming, that have a lot of salary on their books. They're willing to move them. I know L.A. originally wanted to move Jeff Carter, and that's not going to happen but because he's made it perfectly clear he doesn't want to go anywhere. But Braden Shen, he's got two years left to under unrestricted free agent. He's a $5.125 million contract. Just remaining his cap hit this year is only $2 million. In 35 games, he's got eight goals, 15 assists, 23 points. He's underperforming. So I don't think the ask is going to be that much. I think it's going to be a little bit of preliminary right now. They're probably going to ask for a lot. They're going to ask for three pieces for him, just to guess. Um, but I think they might be able to not have to give up the farm to get a guy like that who could help. And let me throw this out there to both of you guys. Do you think the reason that we're seeing perhaps a little bit more of, uh, you know, um, the JFKs, the Donatos, the Heinens, uh, like you said, Court, you saw them on the, uh, you saw them on the penalty kill. Do you think perhaps Sweeney and thus Cassidy, they're trying to showcase these guys a little bit more because they know that, Hey, this is the time to sell on them. People are seeing them play with consistency. They're seeing uh, that they can compete in the NHL game. We know we need an improvement on our second line. We want somebody that David Krejci can excel with. We know that outside of Tampa Bay, uh, anybody in the East could could go on a nice little run in the playoffs. So let's uh, let's put these guys on the ice and let's make a deal happen. Well, it's possible. Like I, I in that Buffalo game when Heinen sat, I thought he was dealt. That was my first instinct. I was like, maybe he was traded. That's why they sat him. Right. I just don't see Cassidy from the way he speaks. We all watched him in the in the press conferences. I don't see him as the type of the guy that if if Sweeney came to him and said, "Hey, you got to play this guy. We got to we got to showcase him." I'm pretty sure he'd tell him to shove it, and I don't think Sweeney would even ask him to do that. I, I just don't see them showcasing players because their goal right now is to make the playoffs and their goal right now is to win games and show showcasing guys to me would be the opposite if you want what you wanted to do. But that's just my that's just my opinion. Yeah, and, and my thought, Evan, is is almost like what you're saying, but more of a team player kind of thing. Is uh these guys can be showcased, but they can also be a team player. So uh, you're getting both of the best worlds right there. Um, when you're either looking for a trade or or you just need um, a younger player to get more time in the NHL. Um, but from my understanding and just reading a lot of things that are going on, it's like if you talk about Shen, um, they're, they're looking at a Heinen, they're looking at a Grizzly, and they're also looking at a high pick. Um, sure. Or, and, and another story I'm hearing is they want a mid, mid-range prospect instead of the, instead of the pick. Because if I'm not mistaken, if if talks are, and I'm air quoting here, if talks are actually happening, the Bruins uh, are rumored to have offered a third round pick, and that was washed. They didn't want the third round. They want somebody that's in the mid level uh, of development and almost ready, to, uh, knocking on the door of an NHL career. So Peter Kolarik, <laughs> just make it they happen. Want, they want Kolarik, yeah. 
Oh. Well, no, I'm just saying he's the type of player if we're talking mid-level. Yeah, I got. It. And and when you're talking when you're concerning the the pick talk in this whole thing is is uh, the St. Louis Blues had to give up uh, if I'm not mistaken two first rounds to get Shen out of Philadelphia. So they're gonna want to they're gonna want to get a pick back. So it's either a mid mid level prospect or a first round pick could possibly get that done. I'm not I'm on the fence on the whole pick thing because of what happened. We talked about this last night, Court. You know they gave a pick up for Rick Nash, and 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 listen, I'm not knocking the player for being injured. I we will never do that here. But look at what happened. It just didn't work out. We lost the pick and and whatever. And it is what it is. We move on, but I just don't want to see. I what we talked about last night, court was you want to continue to develop players, but you still want to bring in high prospects in to you know incorporate. Yeah, so I'm not giving up a first round pick to make the deal happen. It's not going to happen. And I don't think Sweeney is either. He is, uh, as we have seen, he loves his draft picks. He is very reluctant to give them up. When he does give them up, it's. It is usually for a player of a, of a Rick Nash stature, and yeah, that 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 was uh, tough to see that guy's career end the way it ended, uh, especially because you know he didn't produce at the level that um, uh, the Bees organization and fans wanted him to produce at. And and picks are hard, even when you have them, as we saw, you know, right now. What is it? Just uh, just DeBrusque out of that uh, out of that you know 13, 14, 15 grouping in twenty fifteen that is uh, that has brought his game up to uh, the level of uh, NHL skill that um, that Sweeney thought all three guys were going to be able to do. So so yeah, I just uh, picks are tough. Um, but yeah, you, you don't want to give up a first rounder. I'll tell you that much. Now, here's another thing that I'm hearing also is, is the L.A. Kings are obviously not doing very well at all this year, and they might be serious sellers uh, as they sit uh, third to last um, in the West. Um, Ilya Kovalchuk has been brought up, too. No. Uh, okay, and that was a quick one. Yeah, so. you, keep, you can keep going. I, I'm just... No, no, no. no you but, can keep going. Give me a new name. <laughs> no, no, no. You guys try. I just... I don't want anything to do with that guy. Evan, have you heard anything about him being possibly moved? Well, the, the scuttlebutt in L.A. is that um, he's kind of, you know, and this is this. I don't say this in a derogatory sense, but just like a forgotten addition. You know, the the hockey scene out here. Uh, sure, the um, the rink will will fill up, and LA Live will be hopping and bopping. But the the knowledge and the passion in the post Gretzky years, e- even the post Stanley Cup years, because they just won the cup uh, within this decade, the fervor isn't there. So a lot of you know when these guys play, the, they get they kind of play under the radar. When they don't have big games, nobody really cares. When they have you know an offer for a two week stretch. It's 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 like ah whatever. Whereas we look at it and go ah oh, that's a player that um, you know oh signed big and probably should be moved or that's a player you know that you can uh, you can definitely pry away and 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 um, and, and you know and, and pull out of that organization. I think they're going to be big sellers personally. I think they're going to be big sellers uh, at the deadline. Uh, and did now if I'm mistaken, didn't the Bruins make before they tried uh, you know the um, uh, the big trade for uh, you know Mr. Toronto Maple Leaf up there, Tavares. Uh, didn't they? Didn't they go after Kovalchuk? They, they were, did. Yeah, there were discussions. But and then they, he decided to go with LA. Yeah. Instead of uh, I, I thought I thought that was the scuttlebutt. It was the, the it, it, if I'm not mistaken, it was it wasn't about the money. It was about that fourth year or the third year that the Bruins would just did, did not want to uh, entertain. I mean, just sure. I, I mean. It, when you when you're talking about trades like that, you definitely have to look at the at the outlook of what this roster is going to look like in the future. And then you know you bring on a, a Kovalchuk at a short term three year deal. Well, that's also hindering your process of of trying to you know retain McAvoy's and the Heinens and the Carlos and so on. And I just think that's that's when they were at a deadlock with him. And then he just you know obviously chose to go to L.A. Which if, if from my readings and in, in in my Twitter um, activity is he, where he really wanted to go. And for me, I just don't see... I don't want them to to uh, give up anything for him. He's an he's an aging veteran. He's He's got a tremendous skill still. I get it. 
but uh, I, I don't like what he did to New Jersey. I don't like his attitude. And, you know, if he's not happy, he's always a flight risk. Uh, I just I want to stay away from that. But and, and hopefully the Bruins do. There's other there are other talented team first players available. You know, I, th- I think sometimes you got to look past the the raw talent and the and the goal scoring history of somebody and go who fits best with what we have right now and Kovalchuk I just don't think in court I know you'll agree with me that that he fits anywhere uh with this with this group and with their with their style of play with their mindset with the personalities in the room and and that that's a big part of it too because this is a fun team this is a team that likes each other this is a team that's playing for each other uh, you know, and, and, and you throw the wrong guy into that mix and it doesn't matter how good of a player he is. It kind of disrupts the chemistry. It disrupts the flow. And then, and then, and then nobody's, nobody's on top of their game. Yeah. I have to agree. If there's anybody out of LA, it's Tyler Toffoli. Yeah. So he, he looks like the prototypical Bruin. Yeah. Um, and I think I hate, and you know, I hate saying that. Oh yeah. To begin with, I hate Dang prototypical, but he fits the Bruins mold. Sure. <laughs> all right, we're... he fits their need. Fits their need. That's all I'm gonna say. All right, we're gonna take a quick break. Uh, we are talking to Evan Michael. He, you can follow him on Twitter at double zero Evan Michael, and he's a writer for the BlackandGoldHockey.com website. Uh, we'll be right back. We'll talk about a little bit of Charlie McAvoy. Stay tuned. Passion, talent. Development. NCAA hockey offers all that and its players graduate at a 90% rate. Nick Bukestad. Backhand scores! Wow, what a goal! David Backus. And Zach Parisi were stars on campus before the NHL stage. Whether you are a fan or a player, nothing compares to college hockey. Visit collegehockeyinc.com and follow at College Hockey. Champions of the college hockey world! All right, guys, we're back. Um, now it's time to jump right into uh, Charlie McAvoy and and what's going on with him personally and, and physically. Um, not really liking a lot of the stuff that I'm seeing. Uh, it, I mean, Twitter can be such a trash, a dumpster of, uh, mm-hmm. of, of morons. But, um, and I really don't like, I don't like doing that, but it really is. It's just... You know that he's a good player, and he's going through a tough time staying healthy, and and just because of uh, he blocks a shot, puts his you know puts his body out there and blocks a shot, uh, everybody thinks he's made of glass, and and he they need to trade this bum. Uh, this guy this guy has not played more games than he's been injured, and, and and you know it's just when does the human factor come into any of this, and 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 you know I don't I just don't get it. Yeah, I'm a little confused. Like, he blocks a shot and he's down, but now he's he might be practicing. I I get some mixed signals from the way because as we all know, watching a Cassidy interview, he kind of wears his heart on the sleeve and lets everybody know what he's thinking. And now all of a sudden, McAvoy's down again. Is it from blocking the shot? Did he break a foot? Like, I wish I wish there was a rule where we could just know what's wrong and then no one would have to go through all this chatter to say what's going on with this guy because. They're just lower body injury, lower body, lower body injury. Like I understand in the playoffs, you don't want anybody to know where the guy was hurt, but just let us know what's going on. Like, did he break his foot? Is it a deep bone bruise? Like, what's going on here? Yeah, and Twitter, uh, <laughs> Mark, I like your new slogan. Twitter, the dumpster fire of idiots. Uh, <laughs> morons, dead. Morons, right? Which is a, a class up above the idiot. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that could catch on. But yeah, because you log on, you type in McAvoy's name and. The first thing that pops up is you know heart injury. Then the next thing that pops up is uh, is lower body, and then and then it then it then it's all about you know concussion. Uh, uh, are they rushing him back? It, it's extremely speculative, right? Uh, 
but you know, Cassidy, he just said the other day, uh, and I'm, I'm reading from uh, his his direct quote here. Charlie's going to get on the ice early next week. I don't have a real good update on how much time he'll need on the ice, but when he's on the ice, he's a lot closer. Would hope later in the week he's a lot closer, whether that's Thursday or Saturday. So, yeah, maybe that's not a specific, this is a date, but anytime you see a guy skating, right, uh, whether he's wearing the, you know, the, the contact or the non-contact jersey, that has to be a step in the right direction. But for for good old, uh, you know, Charlie Mack, it's how can he stay healthy once he gets healthy? Because this year, it, unfortunately, he has not been able to. Uh, and I think, and it does, it, it worries everybody because of how young he is. Yeah. And like, I, I, you see also people on social media saying, well, his contract's going to be less. I don't think his contract is going to be less because when he is in the lineup, he's played well, except for the one game. Um, I think it was against was it Ottawa. He just, he was, he was just terrible. He was a trash fire. He was just absolutely terrible on the ice. Um, even I believe Cassidy after the game was like, yeah, he's not too good tonight, but He's played well enough that he should be still getting that contract. He's still going to ask for six or seven million a year. He's not going to be able to get that eight million a year because he isn't playing. But they need him in the lineup, and then we get to the whole who's going to sit when he comes in the lineup. Maybe a trade will just make that all go away. Yeah, possibly. And oh, maybe yeah. this trade that we're all talking about can't happen until McAvoy's back in the lineup. Ooh. That's a good point too. That's a nice little avenue you went down there. Well, court. what what? What is it pushing Sweeney to do it right now? The team's winning. You don't want to break up the chemistry. So the team's winning. So there's no reason to do the trade. And but he's then technically in Mac- a playoff spot, too. Correct. And then once McAvoy's back in the lineup, then you have the, all right, are we sitting the kid that his dad cleans the ice? It's like this, or does whatever he does at the rink? Like It's going to be bad, right? The hometown boy that's not going to be playing. Yeah. Social media is going to lose their mind. They love this kid. Yeah, and, and, and something like that, a McAvoy return, healthy for a long period of time until the trade deadline, which is slated for the 25th of February, I believe. 25th. Is, um, you know, it could force the hand of Don Sweeney to make a move like that, just like you said. So, I mean, Especially with Krug playing so well. and you got Carlo, who's there's no way he's coming out of the lineup. And then you have more what he brings to the game that Grizz can't bring to the game on the defensive side of the puck. Grizz is a great two-way defenseman, but Moore's better on the defensive side of the puck. So do you need him once McAvoy's in the lineup? There's your offense from him, offense from Krug. To yeah. me, Grizz is the guy that sits, yeah, like, without a doubt. When you talk, Cole, when you talk about Moore, um, I was kind of skeptic on the signing in the term. The money was perfect. But um, I'm really starting to see uh, over the past month and a half of what he can really do. And he's so valuable with these younger, smaller, transitioning defensemen that tend to make mistakes, like you said, in the defensive zone, he is always there to have their back. Not always, I'm sorry, but he's more than 80% there to have their back and make up for um, a puck possession loss. Johnny Moore was a smart signing, very smart signing. So, oh, and that's very rare for Sweeney, because we'll say that on this show. <laughs> he's usually his signings are woof. Unless the re-signs, they're a woof. You get it. Just it is what it is. It's just you make some bad deals. Hey, if if Bacchus turns out to be just give me one good season, if he's decent on this line right now, I'm happy. Get something out of him. I still think he's right. a buyout at the end of the year, but eh, it's what it is. Yeah, and 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 talk about David Bacchus. He, he just seem he's seems to like sip off the the water bottle of uh, that was dunked in the fountain of youth. Sometimes he just. Oh, it was he, amazing last night. Yeah, he I mean, that snipe. Phenomenal oh. last night. He was dirty. Yeah. And you don't see that from him very often. And maybe it's because he's no longer he – can, he can just be that guy. Like, they showed a lot of clips because I, I finally get to watch the Nesta feeds. And they showed a lot of clips of him and Jake talking on the bench, which um, is something huge. And I know Mark listened on the Hockey Central at noon this week. Um, Doug McClain's son, Clark, is very good friends with Heinen. And he asked him after the game, and he was like, oh, how was the game? And he's, he said, I can't believe how much these guys talk, like, between uh, Bergeron and Marchand. Like, the, the conversations that they have on the bench, it's just communication. They're some of the biggest talkers on the ice, which is a good thing. And then you notice that him and Jake were talking a lot. They're having a lot of good conversations because if you're not talking out there, you're not aligned. They it played kind of, well. It kind of looked like Jake DeBrusque was, like, talking about – 
origami or something like that or like like some defensive karate move to to back us like you want to stay young you want to stay young david move like this <laughs> it was good to see but um uh segue in right into another thing that's good to see and probably not one of the best signings of 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 sweeney's tenure to the fans not to everybody but sean corrali this kid has really impressed me from since day one. I've been a Corrali fan since he came in the in the Jones trade, um, but he's got really good um, penalty killing. I'm sorry, four checking yeah. skills. I mean, he's got speed. He does have a little bit of skills. He's not going to light it up all the time, but he adds certain amount of passion to his game on that fourth line. I don't ever want to see him on the third line again. But that fourth line role for him is really good. Yeah, that fourth line right now was, as Cassie said last night, was the best line. Right now, Corrali, so last night, believe it or not, was his least amount of ice time. He only had 14 minutes, 39 seconds. But if you actually look at the ice time that was divvied out to the players, not a lot of forwards. Cassidy really equaled out the ice time last night. And that's obviously because they were all the lines were playing well last night, so everybody was getting ice time. But the games before that against Calgary, 16 minutes and 55. Against Chicago, 16 minutes. He's giving Corrali some of the most ice time out of all the forwards. So you can tell the coach has got confidence. He had that great goal in the Chicago game, the Winter Classic. His it, People are all over him on social media, but in a positive way. People don't want him to take the mask off. And he's playing so well. It's crazy. He won 50% of his face-offs last night. He's doing everything he needs to do. He's generating offense but he's playing defense and he's only on a fourth line. They're they're the you put him out there and they get some excitement out of them. It's just energy 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 and then they get off. He's the type of player that uh, his teammates love to root for just the same way that the fans love to root for and I think he sets an example that that is infectious for not only his line mates but for the other lines. You know, the top line, personally, I thought that they just were a little bit off the other night against uh, against the Sabres. You know, the, all those two-on-ones trying to make the fancy pass instead of shooting the puck, instead of pulling a David Backus and just sniping it top corner over the glove. Uh, they, they, there was just something off about the top line. Uh, and, and, then, and then you've got Corrali uh, kind of just leading the charge uh and then and then you know the whole story about wagner and his grandfather that that that's 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 just something special and uh and uh, and you know scoring what the, the first two goals twice uh because one was taken away from him there <laughs> yeah uh, that's right but but Corrali, uh anytime that guy's on the ice you feel something's gonna happen whether it's a, a big goal uh, a big hit or just a big shift in momentum. And that's what those three guys have been able to do is even when they're not scoring or producing points, they're changing the momentum of the game. Uh, Cassidy sends out that fourth line. And if the Bruins have been kind of hemmed in their own zone and they haven't been generating much, those guys get the puck down low, they cycle and they pinch it in for, you know, 30 to 50 seconds, and then then you see the top line come out, and then they've got a little more energy, and they've got a little more confidence. You know, it's uh, th- th- those three guys with with Corrali uh, at the heart of it uh, can turn a game on its head very quickly just with their style of play, and and of course it helps that the kid is able to finish. You know, what with a couple of game winning goals in a row. Uh, I believe uh, uh, some of the Boston writers were talking about he's got three three of his last nine goals have been game-winning or, or tying. So he scores timely goals as much as he scores dirty goals. Yeah, absolutely. And and when you, uh, jumping back on the, the fourth-line production, I I have not been a huge uh, uh, Nola Chari fan, but i got to tell you, I, when I see something good out of him, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to compliment him. And he has shown me a lot in the past four games. Showing me that he's really engaged, um, he's hitting, his speed is definitely picked up. He's not gliding through the neutral zone and into the defensive zone when he's really needed. So um, to have him jump up a, a, just a couple notches uh, alongside um, uh, Wagner, yeah, Wag Wagner, and um, good, old, good old Wags and Wal- and, and Corrali, It's just What's it's Walpole, Walpole, Walpole Mass, yeah. But no, it's all good things, and, and, and a hometown kid that I don't hate. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
um, jumping on to another topic, uh, what are your expectations for the second half of this season? Well, to me, I don't see them getting. I don't see them getting ahead of the Toronto Maple Leafs in the standings. So anywhere between third and a wild card spot, I think, is a win for this hockey club, especially with all the injuries. But I do expect them to make the playoffs. I expect this hockey club to make the playoffs. My next article uh, coming up for the blog is is all about the um, not just necessarily the expectations, but court to, to take your point even further just how difficult it will be to even make the playoffs because the Bruins are winning but so are the Maple Leafs and sure they beat the Sabres but when they're not beating the Sabres the Sabres are winning and I don't know how it's happening but Montreal is still winning uh, they're still finding a way to stay in it so no matter the streak the Bruins are getting on this nice little four gamer everybody is still clumped so closely together in the Atlantic and in, in, in the Eastern Conference, I, I believe you know they talked about on uh, NHL Network the other night eight teams basically vying for nine spots. Somebody's going to be the odd man out, and the Bruins need to keep up this level of play so that they are not the odd man out. They are not the odd team out, uh, as we saw from just a couple of years ago. They had the same amount of points as what uh, Carolina, but Carolina got in based on the tiebreaker or whatnot. So the row. Everything needs to, to to go the way it's going and to stay going in that direction or else something like that could happen. And, and you know, Mark, I know you made a post the other day that talked about maybe this team, at least in its current form this year, can't capture a cup, but next year's team definitely, if, if it keeps trending in this direction, could. I'll, I'll throw it back there to when the Kings got in as the eighth seed and got in on the last day of the playoffs and were by no means a, a team that should have even made it in on the last day of the playoffs. They went on to win the Cup. So yeah. I, I just when if the Bees can get into the big dance, uh, so to speak, then who knows what will happen. I just want to see them get there. Yeah, well yeah. played. Sorry. And I know a lot of people said that this roster is worse than it was last year. I... I don't see that right now. I see a better roster. Uh, I see. I I still think, and you know, someone that I, I I know really loves him, but Riley Nash turned out to be a good non-signing. You do still have that whole third line center, but he's playing dog poop in in Columbus. So it would have been everybody all over this guy saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe Sweeney resigned this guy and gave him all that money." If these kids can continue to do what they're doing, and it's only the three kids now, we don't have to rely on everybody in the world. And this team is something, but they do need that. They do need that piece. They don't get that piece on that on that uh, winger on that second line. This team's in trouble. Uh, my expectations for the second half are obviously to stay healthy. This team relies on all twenty players sticking together, gelling together, and doing it as a team. When you when you're decimated with injuries like they have for this year and last year, um, it's just it's just tough to 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 move forward but they're doing it by committee and if they keep doing that yeah i see them definitely making the playoffs hopefully but like like evan said once you break that threshold of that playoffs and you're in that's when you can really take it from where you want to go and i'm not i'm not going to say there's going to be a stanley cup contender this year but you never know you never know what a second half can. I mean, the uh, the postseason could do to a team like this and invigorate what they really want to do. So, but if anything, I'm just I'm the kind of person that would like to stand firm on a uh, no trade, and 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 target the the draft and the free agency, which is a better class. That's just me personally. If they if the Bruins do see something before February 25th, and they need to make a change. I just want to make sure it's not going to be for a rental for expectations of a Stanley Cup that I don't see happening. I want to sure. see something come back. If we're going to give up assets, I want to see something for a little longer term and available to sign for future. Yeah, no rentals. Right. No more rent. I'm, do- I'm done with the whole rental and blah, blah, blah. So, I mean, unfortunately, the injury happened to Nash, which kind of made it uh, that whole rental thing. And he's still not playing. He has not decided if he's going to retire or not. But, you know, good on him and good on his family to figure that out. But I don't want to see that happen again. 
Well, it's funny. When I was booking my trip to Boston, my wife's like, why don't we always book March? I'm like, well, it's conveniently close to playoffs, so the games mean more. And it's right after the trade deadline, so I get to see the new team. Yeah. And I, oh, <laughs> smart. And, I, and, and it's less winter in Boston. True. So like, well, let's, let's go in February. I'm like, yeah, no. And if I'm good, Corey, if I'm not mistaken, aren't there more one o'clock games? Yes. Are you are you going to a one o'clock game? Yeah, it's going to be against the Florida Panthers. Nice. Yeah, I was going to come to the very last game of the year against Tampa, but uh, flights and hotels and everything is extremely cheaper if I come the weekend I'm coming. So, and also I looked at the sketch, and I wouldn't. I would love to go over to Warrior, and if you look at all the other games, because check out March as a schedule. The Bruins better hope to heck they're in the playoffs and sitting pretty by March because it's it's yeah. brutal. It's they're on the road the whole time, the whole, uh, whole month basically. Oh yeah, it's terrible. So the one weekend I'm there, it's they play uh, the Rangers on the Thursday, and then they play the Saturday. So I'm going to go to the Thursday game against the Rangers, and then I'm going to go to the Saturday game against uh, the Florida Panthers and practice on Friday at the Warrior, right? Exactly. Right. I'm, I might have to take that day off. Hopefully, hopefully, you know, get to meet some peeps. Yeah, hopefully, exactly. That's how the pros do it, right there. Two games and a and a practice session. <laughs> um, a couple more, uh, two more topics that I want to touch on. We're going to skip the the Nordstrom. Uh, he got injured, broken fibula. Uh, the sucks. Uh, okay, that's the phantom injury, though. Come on. Yeah. Something right. Show me how that happened. Um. So. And uh, we we're, we've already talked about the fourth line production, so erase those. So we got two more to go to. Um, where is Ryan Donato in your both of you in your future? Do you see him as a as a future member of this Boston Bruins club, or is it time to move on from Donato and involve him into a trade? Because uh, recently, if the cameras if the cameras pan on on Butch and his discussion when Ryan does something bad. It doesn't look very good. Well, my I'm, I'll. Continue. I mean, I know he's. I know he's just being a coach and everything, but still. Yeah. Well, Butch wears his heart on the sleeve. Yep. We all know this. Um, I'll keep saying it. If it makes the team better, you do the deal. But if Ryan Donato can play like he did last night consistently, I'm happy with him. He will, he will progress and he will become a better hockey player. But he needs to do exactly what he did last night where let the guys on his line do everything else for him and get the puck to him after he's there. But he is a guy that can be traded to get that winger. So move him. Well, he's not going to be here for a long time. So, And maybe this is just me being a little uh, sentimental, uh, you know, growing up and getting to watch uh, his, uh, his pops, uh, Teddy, uh, skate around uh, on some solid Bruins teams. But I, I've hated to see, you know, the the likes of and whether or not they're playing well now or whether they played well in a Bruins uniform. These are guys that I like rooting for, you know, the Vetranos, the Agostinos, you know, the, the young the young kids who went to went to school just up the road and uh, and they just couldn't turn their game to the level that they needed to. And so they're not playing in a B's uniform anymore. I, I don't want to see that happen to Donato. And sure, Court makes a solid point that, if it makes the team better and you get a, a you know, perennial uh, uh, sniper in like uh, like a Shen or whatnot uh, who can be signed for a number of years, then, you know, maybe his development uh, and, and, and his stature was worth the trade. But I really would love to see Donato stick with this team, find a consistent uh, not only role but, but part of his game. And 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 to wear the jersey for uh, a number of years, uh, just like his dad did. I did think it was funny. We're talking about this now. When last year was the conversation of everybody going, he has to be in the lineup in the playoffs, <laughs> right? Yeah, what are you nuts? You got to put him in. He was so overhyped last season. Like you got, yeah. you got to get him out of Harvard. He's got to change. You got to pressure him to leave school now, or he's going to pull a Jimmy VC, and he's never going to be a Bruin. He needs to be on this team now. It's like, and come we on. don't even want Jimmy VC. Like, come on now. I know. I know. The Rangers what, don't even what want. What is he doing with himself? Uh, anyone, anyone have his stats handy? Not really, no. but he, he's a decent player. I mean, he, he's pretty much a third line winger. But I mean, he's he's doing what he's got to do. But he's nothing that that you know everybody glorified about. Like he was going to come out and be this seventy, eighty point player every year. The second uh, coming—that's what they were making him sound. Right, like. right. So I mean, it, 
you know, Evan, from the past and, and living in this area that, the, you know, us fans, we always hype up anybody that comes around uh, or, or, or that's from New England. You always hype up those types of hockey players. But, Hugely. Yeah, I just didn't see it happening with him. Um, last one, uh, really not a, a major concern for me, but it's something that I have noticed in the, in the past, in the recent years, is, is Brad Marchand. And, he, and you know, he's the, he's the rat. He's the guy that everybody hates. But he's an effective hockey player when you put him on the ice with pretty much anybody. With you know, I mean, obviously Patrice Bergeron is the uh, is the uh, cat's meow to that line. But do you see a, a a production loss in in Marchand? Do you see him being more of a passer than a shooter? Because his his goals at this point last season are way down. He hugely down. But you've got Pasta who's become more of the focal point on the line where they're trying to get the puck to. I said it last night. I want Brad Marchand to shoot that damn puck. I am just, I've had it. Yeah. Shoot the puck. He's he passed up first. on three two-on-ones. Three yeah. two-on-ones, he went for the pass. Yeah. He, he's becoming a pass first. I just want him to shoot. I understand that both him and Bergie want to get that puck to Pasta because he can put it in. But you know what? Marchand can too. And if he starts shooting it a little bit more, I think this line's going to be even deadlier. But the one thing I can say about Marchand People, we just played a winter classic. We just had Christmas, and Brad Marchand has not been suspended. <laughs> it's, a, it's a Festivus miracle. <laughs> yeah, seriously. It's a Festivus for the rest of us. It's, I it's got a lot of props with you, people, and now you're going to hear about him. Yeah, he aired three weeks ago with the NHL. The NHL aired him with him, and you know what? He lost at the pole. So he's no longer getting in trouble, which is fine, which is great. So Brad Marchand not suspended and not scoring that as much as he did, I'll take it. Now here's here's my kind of quirky thing in my head that I've been thinking about lately is with with Bergeron being injured um, for a, a small stretches of this season, and and everybody knows that Bergeron is pretty much that pass first type of guy. Do you think that Marchand kind of took that role on while he was gone and kind of like never got rid of it when he when Bergeron came back? That's one way to look at it. Um, personally, I think there's just a little bit of tentativeness in his game right now. And maybe that's because, like Court said, he wants to make sure he uh, he doesn't get suspended because he knows how important uh, he is to the team. And he doesn't and he's watched some of his teammates have to sit on the bench because of suspension. Uh, he doesn't want to go through that again himself. So, you know, maybe maybe that's in the back of his mind, which is why. We're not seeing him at the hundred percent that we usually see him at. Yeah, I, like I know everybody jokes about him licking the guy's Comoros <laughs> face, but I can guarantee you his coach wasn't too happy about it. Bad time to and, take a and wasn't it wasn't like way to go, buddy, way to lick a guy in the face. Well, and I bet you Marshan is finally when like, hey, I gotta stop looking like a dumbass. I am I am the face of this league. I'm one of the faces of the of this franchise. And I look like a juvenile out there. I know some people love it, but he is more valuable to this team on the ice than he is off the ice. He's getting less penalties. He's doing everything better. He's not getting calls for him against. Things happen to him, and people are allowed to do whatever they want. And I think it's just going to be for the year, and the refs are just... I really do think the refs are letting people do things on him. But he's all, he's also the, the cover boy for... Dale Arnold's new book that I think we all own. I, I know Mark, you got it for Christmas. So Marshawn's right on the cover. You know, he's a lot of people are seeing this guy now. Yeah, yeah. He and he's he, it deserves it so. Absolutely. So, he he needs to be better, and he's being better. It's I, I said it to Mark before. I even wrote an article about it where Marshawn was the reason that those two years they did not make the playoffs. Because, I one hundred percent think that way. Because it he came missed, down, yeah, came down to points. Eight games the one year and five go, five games the one year, and they one year they were tied to go in, and then the other year they missed by one point. Marchand yep. plays in any of those games. Yeah, and he, I'm not I'm not good with the math at all, but if you put some kind of equations together that says that he was in the lineup for those games and he's and he was productive, they would have won two out of five. Exactly, those are wins. Those are points that will get you through over that threshold. And I, I in my article I put. Three of those games when he was suspended at one point, they went they they went into overtime and they lost it. In yeah. the games he played, they only won in the one out of the five, I believe they only won they only won one out of the five, and then when he was suspended for eight games, they only won two out of those eight. Very interesting. That's well, the difference. 
Absolutely. That is going to end the show. Um, we're sorry we did not hit on all the topics, but we got to a lot of them. And, and definitely want to thank uh, Evan Michael, writer for the blackandgoldhockey.com website. Uh, please follow him at double O Evan Michael. Sorry, that's a double zero Evan Michael. You got it right. Double O Evan. Who needs double O seven? Ah, now I get it. There See, he's an I international man of mystery. <laughs> Evan, thank you so much for coming in and 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 doing this. I mean, you, this is, is is this your first podcast? This was my first podcast, uh, at least on the topic of uh, of hockey and the Bruins. So, I, uh, big a big thanks and cheers to you guys, Court and Mark, for having me on. Oh, dude. How's the weather? The weather, the way you got to you got to come out here. Uh, we'll go to a Kings Bruins game. You're gonna love it. Uh, oh man, it's, that it's, that it's really would be so cool. At 68. <laughs> Really brisk, sixty-eight. Oh, that's t-shirt weather for us New Englanders. <laughs> <laughs> but Evan, thank you again so much for coming on. Court, as always, thank you for um, for joining me every week. Um, and I just want to say uh, we're going to try to bring a better product for two thousand nineteen. And we hope that you guys, all all the listeners out there, had a good New Year's uh, Eve, celebrated appropriately and safely. Um, but. We'd also really appreciate if you guys do um, a little better effort on, on supporting us on iTunes or Apple Podcasts and give us a rating and, and, uh, and say some nice words about our show. It really help us. Or get... some bad ones. Yep. Even bad ones get us up the as ranks. As long as you're talking about it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And please continue to support us financially, either on the patreon.com slash black and gold hockey podcast account. Uh, donate a dollar and be involved into our t-shirt giveaways and a lot of really good Bruins items that we give away from Fanatics, which is our, an advertising partner on the uh, blackandgoldhockey.com website. Shop through there, use the banner. We really support, uh, really appreciate anything. So, uh, And again, thank you so much for, for a year, a, two, a great 2018, and we look forward to a, a better 2019. So... Uh, thanks again to everybody. Thanks again to Evan. Thanks again to Court. Rob, we will talk to you, you slacker, next week. So he, he's uh, he's really excited to talk, come back and talk some hockey. So um, can't wait. So everybody have a great week. Be safe. Goodbye. Thanks for tuning in to this week's show. You can follow the guys on Twitter at Black and Gold. 277 at Court Lalonde and at Rob Forty Bruins. You can also send us an email to the show's account at blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com.